Hello and welcome to the Conquering Stress Podcast, taking back control of your life. I'm Dr. Bill Janishak and I will be hosting you on this wonderful journey that we're going to be taking. This is actually the first non-introduction podcast that we're going to have and I was breaking my mind. I'm going, what? how are we going to light this thing up and how are we going to start this out? And because um, this is not really a class and, you know, through my history and everything that we've done, you know, usually we start with the beginning and the, and the middle and the end, and there's something that we're going to get to. With a podcast, it's an ongoing educational forum on a subject. So I think what we're going to do is, if you're listening to this, you have an interest in stress, whether it's breaking your own, whether it's someone's bothering you in your own life, whatever it is. So what I want you to do is we're going to start from the basics. And the first thing that we're going to do here is to know thy enemy. You know, uh, Sun Tzu in The Art of War, that was one of his principles, was to know thy enemy. And it's never been more important than in this subject because most people are walking around they're just saying I'm stressed I'm stressed and whatever your stress is causing you is what you're complaining about maybe headaches maybe you can't sleep maybe you can't turn your mind off maybe it's sciatica maybe it's you know irritable bowel maybe it's reflux the list goes on and on so I thought I would kind of give you a glimpse in my mind and that's a little scary sometimes Um, but I want you to understand stress, and I'm going to run you through exactly how we do this in my practice. So, the first thing that we work under a premise that that the body is smart. We're going through stress, but that's our our deal. The body is just reacting how it has, how it always has, and the way the body reacts to stress is think. as if you were a cave person, because I don't know if you're a man or a woman listening to this. Um, But I want you to understand that the body has an innate intelligence. When when a sperm and an egg come together, they they create a single cell. Through innate intelligence, life force, nature, God, whatever you want to call it, the universe, it automatically will divide. It'll divide perfectly. It'll divide the same way every time. The body is smart. It has an innate intelligence, and that innate intelligence will, will run the body. During stress, our bodies are always trying to get back to what's called homeostasis. And all that means is that it, it's come, trying to come to a balance. If you're sitting in a room and it's hot, you're going to start to sweat. That's your body's reaction to cool your body down, evaporate the, the sweat that comes off there, what cools the body. Everything is an adaptation to the environment that we're going through. So you're going to hear me over and over and over again saying stress is physical, chemical, and emotional, uh, and the body reacts the same. And this is exactly what happens. With the body is adapting to the environmental stressors that happen. And it's adapting to try to bring you back to a neutral um, position or zone. And it does this through what's called the autonomic nervous system. 
So that about that sperm in an egg that I mentioned earlier is that sperm and the egg, as they start to, um, they come together and they create a cell and they start developing and copying themselves and replicating, replicating, they create a little ball. And that ball is your primitive brain. And after that ball kind of grows a little, it starts to grow a little tail. And that is your primitive spinal cord. And when that spinal cord comes down, it creates little what's called rootlets. And those are your, your primitive spinal nerves. At the end of those spinal nerves become little buds or, you know, you think of it like a, uh, just like a budding from a, uh, a rose bush or something. And those become organs. They are all connected and it's, they're all connected through the nervous system. So when you talk about your stress, and my muscles are so tight, oh, just rub it, it's stress, it's stress, it's stress. So what you're experiencing there is the, the end product of stress. It's not the beginning. Because we live in a world of symptom relief, we don't want to be in pain, and I'm not advocating pain either, but I want you to understand the body. Most of the stuff that we complain about stress is the end product. We don't want the end product. Now, your body thinks it's running away from a saber-toothed tiger. We don't want to get eaten by a saber-toothed tiger either, but we don't want the end product of stress. So our body will react, and that's the fight or flight. And you're probably familiar with that term, fight or flight. The way that the body will adjust to this homeostasis or this balance is through what's called the autonomic nervous system and there's two of them there's the sympathetic and this is the one that we we work during stress and it is to increase you that means you're running away from the saber-toothed tiger now um you're good your body's going to use every ounce and every resource that it has to get away from that saber-toothed tiger and it's going to break down your body in doing so. And I'm going to go over that in a little second. Um, the second part of the autonomic nervous system is called the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's the nervous system where we grow, we repair ourselves, and we rest. We have an accelerator in the sympathetic nervous system, and we have a break in the parasympathetic nervous system. If you are driving a car on a windy road, you want an accelerator and you want a brake. And this is how the body creates that balance. So we're also gonna have to use what we have in context. It's interesting how many people come to me and they've been to uh, another doctor and they've been going through and they go, oh, I have this or that, I have some rumpture gumpture of the trash banana diagnosis or whatever it is. and We'll begin to talk to him a little bit and say, oh, my God, you've been under a lot of stress lately. Yeah, I was really under stress right before I went, and they took a blood test, and my blood sugar was up, and I have high cholesterol, and I can't believe it. And then they worry, and that creates more stress, and they have a stress response. And so they get labeled with something that is totally appropriate for them to have at the time. If you are being chased by a saber-toothed tiger and your cholesterol and your um, your blood sugar and your muscles tighten, everything everything goes up, that's appropriate for that time. And uh, 
So a lot of times when we see the doctor, the doctor is comparing you to a normal state. And if you are in an abnormal state, of course, you're going to be, you know, a little askew. And you are going to be different than what he expects. And he's going to think that's your normal when it's just the context that you're working in. So I want you to keep that in mind as we're going through this. Because, again, this is about know thy enemy. So what's going on with your body? If you um, know the basic functions of your body during stress, kind of like know the players in the game. If we were were watching a uh, baseball game or something, we would we would have our program and we would look at the numbers and what each player does and what's their role on the team and we could break break the team down. It's the same thing in stress. Um, and once you do this, if you know all the players in the game and you know what you're feeling and you know what you're going through, then you can reverse engineer what's going on and kind of figure out what you got. You know, if you listen to my introductory, I, I said, I... I really want you to have a big toolbox and I want this toolbox to be filled with a bunch of different tools that under different circumstances you can pull out and you can kind of self-fix yourself. You know, I'm going to give you the basics and when you go to the doctor, um, that's when you want a little bit more expertise because I'll talk about going behind the curtain we'll go down the rabbit hole a little that when you go down the rabbit hole you want a guide. It's dark down there and it's ugly and it's boring for your purposes people you have lives to live you have kids and jobs and you got to get through traffic and stuff it's not your job to know all the details and most of the time you don't really need to know them but i'm going to give you the basic players in the game so hold on to your seats because here we go so with the premise of you are being chased by a saber-toothed tiger this saber-toothed tiger came out of the weeds and went rawr, and it scared you, and your body detected something. It's, it didn't know what it was, but it detected something in its environment that was abnormal. And remember, when we were cave people, there was basically two stressors. It was like, what am I going to eat for survival, or what is going to eat me for survival? So the stress response that you have, that sympathetic response, is something that is good for you. Remember, it is good for you to have stress. Now, stress was actually meant to last. The stress, this fight-or-flight syndrome, this running away from a saber-toothed tiger, only is meant to keep us in this state 10, maybe on the up end, 30 seconds. When you're running away from a saber-toothed tiger, 30 seconds is a long time. Because that's just enough time that you either kill the saber-toothed tiger or you run like heck and climb a tree to get away. But your body's going to be using all its resources to do this. So what does the body use for fuel? There's three basic components of this, and that's going to be carbs, fats, and proteins. It's going to use these fuels all day long. It's going to use all of them. It's not saving some for later. We're not going to ration this out because we are just trying to save ourselves now. What else goes into this is the uh, hormones, the stress hormones. 
and those are the, the adrenaline hormones. There's several of them. I won't go into them here, but they're basically the rocket fuel to get you, get you out of danger and to save your life. So if we're running away from a saber-toothed tiger, the first thing that's, that's going to happen, like I said, we're going to detect something, something in our environment. There's a twig breaking. There's a big roar. They go, ah, or whatever it, it's going on. But our body detects something and immediately hits a feedback loop to create cortisol. It increases cortisol. Cortisol is pretty famous. It's a corticosteroid that's made in our body by the adrenal glands, and it's released like rocket fuel or a tweaker on meth, and it just lights us up and we get out there now. Now, this is going to increase our heart rate. Why would we increase our heart rate? Because we have to pump more blood that carries the fats, proteins, and carbs, and our hormones to every place in our body. We are also going to increase our blood pressure. Why are we going to increase our blood pressure? Because we want that all everything delivered now as fast as possible. So our heart rate is pumping, the blood pressure up, it's squirting things as much as it can. We the the fastest thing fuel that our body uses is um, sugar, so glucose. So our body is going to dump every ounce of glucose in that blood because it's burned up pretty fast. And this is that um, the first fuel that we will use. So our body is going to dump everything. So we're going to increase the blood pressure or the, I'm sorry, the, the glucose in our bloodstream. So what else did I say? So we've, we've got the glucose in there. The next thing that we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to dump some proteins in there. And where do proteins come from? They're full of our, our in our muscles. And so during stress, we actually break down muscle. I said before that we're trying to get away from everything, so we are dumping everything that we need. We don't need all that muscle mass to go. So we start breaking down protein to use as fuel. That's going to be the backup fuel that we have. So the next thing that we're going to do is we're going to start to mobilize those fats. So we're going to put a lot of fat in our blood, and those are lipid. So if you're having your lipid panels and you're looking around, you're going you're gonna to have a lot more fat in your blood because the body does use that for, for fuel. There's twice as much energy components or calories in, in, uh, one in fat than there is in carbs and proteins. So we're using all the resources that we have to get out in us to save our lives from that saber-toothed tiger. Now, interesting enough, if we're taking a blood test, we are going to increase the cholesterol, the bad, bad, bad cholesterol. Why would we do that? Know the players in the game. What is cholesterol's role in the body? And it doesn't come from eggs. Cholesterol's not bad. There's appropriate cholesterol and appropriate cholesterol. Cholesterol makes up every cell and hormone in your body. Now, the first thing that we did was we started dumping that cortisol, a hormone, into our body. Our body wants to make a lot of them. It wants all the resources and all the components to make those available to it right now. There's a saber-toothed tiger after us. After, after all, come on, we got to get going with this. 
So we dump cholesterol into our body. Now, if you've ever had a blood test and you've, you've gotten your cholesterol test, you know that in basic terms, there's good cholesterol and this is the part where you say there's bad cholesterol and there is no bad cholesterol. There's appropriate cholesterol and there's appropriate cholesterol. Remember that we have to look at things in context. So cholesterol, is, when, when you talk about those, uh, the cholesterol, the, the HDL and the LDL, the HDL stands for high density lipoprotein. And the LDL stands for low density lipoprotein. Now, lipoproteins, are, these are carriers of uh, little cholesterol balls. If you think about it like Pac-Man and Pac-Woman. So if Pac-Man is going to, if you remember the, the game from way back in the day, you had the little Pac-Man look, look like one of those little smiley faces or have a nice day, guys, and he would go and eat all these little dots. And these dots, if he ate a lot of these little dots in there and we put him on a scale, he would have a high density. And this is exactly what, what happens. This is a high density. So he's taking the fats out of the blood. And a low density, say it's Miss Pac-Man, and she doesn't eat as much, and you put her on the scale, she's going to have a low density. Because we want fats and cholesterol out in the blood, because remember we're using those for fuel and we're using them for resources to build hormones, is that we're going to have an increase in the LDL because our, remember our body's smart. We have that innate intelligence. That innate intelligence tells us, hey, we need to lower the HDLs, less of the Pac-Man, and we need to increase the LDL because we don't want her eating as much because we need the stuff out into the bloodstream. So when you get on the test, you know, you go to the doctor and they say you have high cholesterol uh, or high LDL and low HDL, the good one, make sure that you let them know, or at least that you're aware of, the context that you're taking. Because blood tests in themselves, they're just snapshots in times. They're not truth. This is why we, we, mo we constantly will moder moder um, <laughs> we will uh, monitor, I can't even speak on this, this is crazy. Um, we will monitor the blood tests over and over again because we want to see if it's something, if it, is this just a, you know, a one-time thing or is this a trend that we're getting on? And this is how you properly look after yourself. So also if you're looking in the blood test and you're running away from saber-toothed tiger and you're looking at that, our body will automatically start clotting factors. Because when you're running away from a saber-toothed tiger, there's a pretty good chance that he will catch you, bite you, scratch you. Now, survival is not good if you bleed out on the prairie or wherever the saber-toothed tiger is chasing you from. So our bodies will have a clotting factor in there. It's preparing us for what we need to go through. That innate intelligence is something we really need to study and always ask, what's the body trying to do for me? Remember, your body always has your best interests in mind. Um, we kind of talked about where the proteins come from. You know, we're breaking down proteins. We're breaking down um, the muscle, 
the tendons, the ligaments, the fascia, and even the discs and meniscus, you know, if you're looking in your knees. So this is going to be something that's going to happen. So as we're going through this and we have a saber-toothed tiger chasing us, we go through something. Remember when I was talking to you about uh, the first cell and the and the egg that came together and they multiplied and they started creating the primitive brain. Well, the primitive brain is actually in the upper portion of your neck. This is a chiropractor's favorite portion because it's like the master breaker in your body. And you have about a walnut size. It's a little oblong and that's your brain stem. Everything that goes on to make you survive happens right in that brain stem. Up actually in your skull is where all the, the cool human stuff happens. This is where we start to we learn about arts and language and, and coordination of movements. And that's what really makes us human. In fact, the brain stem is called the reptilian brain. And now if you take your, if you make a fist, so take your thumb and fold it into your, your palm. And then I want you to take the other four fingers and just fold them over there. It's like you're making a really bad fist with the thumb tucked inside. So this is representative of the brain. If you look at that, the fatty portion of your thumb, we call this the thenar eminence, but it's the fatty right where the thumb is, right before the, the, the thumb is bent over into your palm. That will represent the brain stem. And if you look at your arm down there, pretend that's the spinal cord. And if you fold your fingers over that thumb, this is the whole brain. So that big fatty portion of your thumb is the brain stem. And if you open up your fingers and you see how the thumb lays across there, that's a portion called the limbic system. And the limbic system is where all our emotions come from. So the emotions and the brain stem or reptilian brain is that's where all the fight or flight comes from because when you're under stress when there's a saber-toothed tiger chasing you you are you do not have higher faculties of thought you are emoting you have a feeling which is fear at that time um, and you have a reaction and you go into that that fight or flight your body that's where the sympathetic nervous system comes from the reason that that's important is because when you're running away from a saber-toothed tiger, you are not thinking about, hmm, I've got to catch a wildebeest for grog when I get home, and oh, you know, the, oh, there's a rabbit over there. You are thinking about nothing else, and you don't have the faculties to think about anything else except getting away from that saber-toothed tiger. So in today's terms, if you're looking at that, and you're under stress and you can't think straight, you have brain fog, you can't remember a grocery list, you forget your kids' names, whatever it is, it kind of explains it. So if you're looking at maybe the way that we live today, and maybe you have a child that has ADD, ADHD, something like that, where, you know, they don't have job stress and they don't have, you know, the whole stress that older people get because as we get older we tend to take on more stress or we have different beliefs that bring on our stress 
but they can absorb it from around you. Or maybe you work at a job and you just, I'm not as productive. You know, I have the HRQ deadline over here and the boss is getting on me and I have to get this and they're making cuts at the office and I don't know if there's another month at the end of the money and we can't get. And if you're always under stress, you're not going to be able to do a good job. So it kind of explains what's going on there. Now, lastly, um, is the you're also going to have a decrease in immunity. Now, our bodies in the background, like in your computer, you know, there's a, a McAfee or something in the background trying to keep you away from um, the viruses, and it uses a lot of energy. Same thing happens in our body. Most of our basal metabolic rate and our, and our energy goes to running our immune system in the back background. When we are under stress, remember a saber-toothed tiger is chasing us, and we are trying to get this for 10 to 30 seconds. We're dumping all our resources and everything that we have to get away from it. So if a large portion of the energy used in our body is to maintain our immune system, it's a good idea to kind of put that on hold for us for a little while, 10 to 30 seconds. We'd want to stop doing that. We want to get all the blood and hormones run into our legs so we can get away and so our lungs and our heart can work so we can run faster and faster than than the, the saber-toothed tiger chasing us. So we don't need our immune system because when a saber-toothed tiger is chasing us, I'm not really concerned about a little bacteria or virus that's getting on me. I'll take care of that later. So when people are under chronic stress, they tend to allergies. I'm always getting a cold. I got the flu again. I can't do this. I do. Um, and also remember that cancer is an immune problem. We can't fight it off, or we fight something off improperly, or we get a, a immune system that starts and stops. We never really get rid of what we need to get rid of. So this is always important. You know, I said this was the last one. This is not the last basic. The last basic one is that it decreases our hormone production. Um, because all the resources will be going to stress response hormones that all the other hormones that we need to get to grow and, and just kind of function well, uh, they tend to get ignored a little. So people under stress may have problems... Uh, Women may have problems getting pregnant. They don't ovulate right. They don't have the right hormone balance and production. This is where you will, you know, miss your periods or go too much on the period. Your body's confused at this time. Erectile dysfunction is a big um, issue in men under long, long periods of stress. All the digestive hormones that we have to get going in there, it's, it becomes pretty, pretty problematic. So these are the basic players in the game. And, you know, if you don't have a background in it, like I said, listen to the podcast again, um, take some notes. Um, this, these are just the basic foundations. But it's enough for you to get it by to have a good understanding about what's going on. And if you listen to the introduction, my whole thing was not to give you all the answers, but to have you ask better questions. 
So if you know the basic players in the game, you say, oh, you know, I, I, I'm craving sugars. Why am I craving sugars? Well, under stress, if you're a stress eater, think about what those kinds of food are. It's usually not steak. It's ice cream. It's chocolate. And a little bacon, my favorite. But you will crave fats and proteins to stimulate your your body. And it's mostly the carbs. So people will have um, problems with, uh, they can't seem to lose weight. Well, remember, weight regulation is hormogenically, or it's controlled mostly by hormones. You know, the theory of... Uh, Weight loss is simply a math equation of calories in, calories out. Why that has some basis of it, it's really not true. It's mostly how efficient your hormones are. In fact, the biggest benefit of exercise, high-intensity exercise, is balancing those hormones. And we have a, uh, I have a whole show on that because exercise is, wow. Uh, so we'll go a little bit deeper at a later date on that. But if you look about these basic players in the game, and then you look about what does this look like? So if we have increased cortisol, we're going to have, you know, cortisol regulates the blood sugar, throwing everything out. This is insulin resistance. This is diabetes. Uh, this is, again, cancer, obesity, or diobesity, uh, increased heart rate. You know, there's with cardiovascular disease and stroke that's happening. Increased blood pressure, same thing, cardiovascular disease and, cr- and stroke. Increased um, glucose. It's probably the biggest problem that we have today. So in the last 20 years or 30 years, the incidence of type 2 diabetes has increased by 70%. Now, I did not say 17%. I said 70%. D percent seven zero it's huge and that's just the diabetics and on top of that they've they've actually raised the threshold for um, what they consider diabetes is because the the national average for what a normal blood sugar is has risen over the last 15 years that I know of. Um, and that doesn't count all the people that are already insulin resistance or um, you know, sugar intolerance or have problems with uh, with their insulin secretions and stuff. So it, it's it's crazy. But whenever you have a lot of glucose in the blood, you're going to have an inflammatory response. You know, high inflammation is going to cause you pain. As a chiropractor, I'll see a lot of people over here, oh, I got neck pain, my back pain, my muscles are so tight. And again, this is all the result of the stress. It's not the cause of the stress. So when people come over and say, oh, it's just stress. My, you know, my shoulders are like rocks. And I, one of the main reasons why I have this podcast is because we need to get this out. As I'm going down here, heart, heart disease and stroke, which is diabetes. Cancer always comes with diabetes. Uh, you know, increased fats, the heart disease, chronic fatigue, stroke, Alzheimer's you know, fibromyalgia stuff, like I mentioned, ADHD, um, ADD, we can't pay attention. And, you know, another thing with diabetes is most people don't know. So there's type one that you, you're kind of born with. And that means that the insulin cells 
where insulin isn't produced by the pancreatic cells, so you need to monitor that. Somebody from birth that's kind of well monitored, they, they can live great lives, watch their diet, watch their exercise, and they tend to have to do everything right, and they tend to do pretty good. So type 2 diabetes used to be called adult onset diabetes because it took some time and some really bad living for a long period of time to get this. Well, now they just call it type 2 because even kids are getting it now because they're growing up in a stress state with crappy foods and no exercise and they are just absorbing stress and poor lifestyles. So one of the other things that happens when you're under chronic stress, we talked about the immune system going crazy, is it causes an autoimmune. Autoimmune is just, oh, it's exploding now. Oh my gosh. Everybody has a thyroid issue and, you know, Crohn's disease and rheumatoid arthritis and all these, and it's all autoimmune because we can't, we're not controlling this, this pandemic of, of blood sugar and stress control. But so if we have type two and we've kind of thrown our bodies into a, a chaos, it will actually turn into what they call type one and a half di diabetes. So type two is de derived from your, from your lifestyle. But if you don't do anything about it, it t tends to deg degrade and it will cause an autoimmunity that will cause you to become a type 1 diabetic. So once you're a type 1 diabetic, it will turn into type 3 diabetes, which is exactly the precursor to Alzheimer's disease and brain de degeneration. And the because the gut and the brain are, are so intimately related that this is why we're having so many more of these neural conditions, you know, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, and it's not a it's not a good thing. So all this stuff down is, you know, it's due to stress. And it's, it's interesting, that, you know, sometimes people are so stressed, they'll come into my office and I, I can't breathe, my back hurts, my neck hurts, I got sciatica, my stomach, I'm always bloated, and they just have every problem in there, and they want a quick fix. And as you can tell, it gets a little complicated. Stress is physical, chemical, and emotional, so you're going to have lots of these different things go, going on. And it becomes really problematic because somebody's under stress say if your stress is you know I got 14 jobs and I'm trying to pay the bills and raise a kid and keep the, the wolves away from the door they don't have time they you do not have the psycholo psychology to get the discipline to do the right thing because in that person's mind they're always running away from a saber-toothed tiger so rather than this 10 to 30 seconds of fight or flight, they are going all day, all night, in various degrees. So they're not sleeping, so they're not regenerating. So it's just this constant cycle. So you, my friends, I've given you the basic players of the game. 
And if you understand, and what I'm hoping you're doing right now is you're going, oh, that makes sense. If I have this and this and that. So if you can reach in your toolbox and you do a couple little things and you change your stress response 5% today because you recognize, go, oh, it's not, I'm not having a stroke. I am stressed. And I can stop the stress. I can take a walk because I'm running away from a saber-toothed tiger. Saber-toothed tiger's gone. And um, I can calm down. So sometimes the biggest stressor when you're going through stuff and you start having a lot of symptoms, especially people that are under stress, you always think of the worst, is it's cancer, I'm going to die, I'm going to have a stroke, I'm going to have this. It's like I said with the blood test. This is a photograph in time, and it's not your life. Don't let your situation define your life or your health status. Even even if it's partially true. Because as I've talked about before, if you take the same principles that I'm going to share with you during this our time together on this podcast, is that you can take the same principles and go through conquering stress into no symptoms, feeling great, into fitness, optimum health and well-being, and, you know, will ter- turn you into just the most wonderful energetic person that you can be by the same principles just know the players in the game and how you can take care of each position player that they have and life will be good the reason that I I wanted to bring this to you because like I said 98% of all problems that we have dysfunctions diseases and death are going to relate basically from stress or unresolved stress the other two percent you know what there are genetic things out there you know if you have down syndrome you're going to have down syndrome every single time and it's just a different beast but that's so small that's such a small thing and even you know the doctors nowadays you know they're they kind of defaulted, well, it's genetic. You're just going to have to learn to live with it. And, you know, my mom had it. My dad had it. So I'm going to have that. No. The, the, biggest, the biggest study that's really been coming on is a whole realm called epigenetics. So when you have a genetic profile, it just means you have the blueprints. If I'm a carpenter and someone gives me the blueprints, but I never buy the wood and the roofing materials, and the concrete, and stuff to make the house, the house ain't getting made. Now, if I decide to make it, and I happen to end up with wood and concrete and everything else we do, it does make it easier for me to do since I have the blueprints. But I don't have to take advantage of you know, the blueprints just because I have them. As we go through stuff, you're going to find that you're in a lot more control than you think. And we're going to give you, again tips and tools and I'll have some guests on that will share some more insights so I want you to share this with your friends and I want you to take some notes and I want you to take some actions when you leave here over you know listen to this again look at the players of the game get a little notebook out and say this is what happens during stress the body is trying to use all its fuel to get me away from a saber-toothed tiger 
today my saber-toothed tiger is the kids. It's the deadline I have at work. The little silly things that like that that you may not want to do that you can just write down will do you a immense improvement in conquering your stress. So if you're one of those people that your mind tends to go, you know, I can't sleep, I just can't turn off my mind, I can't do that. If you write them down and you tell your mind and your brain, all right, all my worries are right down here. Uh, they're in a safe place. I can sleep restfully, peacefully. And when I wake up in the morning and when I'm ready to stress again, I have faith that they'll be there. Just the act of writing them down and getting them out of your head will allow you to sleep better, heal better, and it'll start your first step in conquering stress. So find out what your saber-toothed tiger is and just identify it. In future episodes, I'll, I'll show you how to kill that bastard. So um, this is Dr. Bill Janishak. I hope you enjoyed the Conquering Stress podcast. And again, share with your friends, subscribe. Hit me up. Let me know what you think about this. And until next time.